This evening's Dharma talk is titled, Don't Look Around. Is that what I told you? Don't look around. Don't look around. Don't look around. And so I want you to understand what I'm pointing at by saying that, rather than look at it as some kind of a standard or a form. Uh, it's, it's, it needs to be understood rather than obeyed. So just like the example that came up uh, as I was, as I was uh, thinking about what I was going to talk about uh, was, uh, I probably can't remember it. Oh yeah, I can. So if you're driving along and, and suddenly uh, you need to get somewhere and you're about to run a red light, you should look around to just see if there's anybody watching you. <laughs> you should look around before you run through the red light. And so there's other times, I mean, if you're on you can't just go on to, on to Facebook and just look at something. You have to look around. <laughs> so just don't do it too much. A little bit. Be, be, aware, be aware of when you're kind of looking around and when you're just looking at what's in front of you. If you're looking around like most people are doing, they're always searching for something else. Basically, people are searching for happiness. Searching for something else, something better, something more improved, new, new and improved. It's an area looking for something else that reinforces our separation from everything and actually uh, brings about more, more difficulty, more tension, more you know, whatever we're going through in our life, losing our job, losing our relationship, losing our, our, our health, losing our youth. Um, Losing some something we're missing, losing something's going away, something's getting worse, something. Um, so I would say, don't necessarily track that down. Don't look around for something. <clears throat> As I've said, probably hundreds of times, what you're looking for, you're looking at. You're always looking at this because your the activity of moving around and searching and looking for something else and looking for things is is a. You're actually ignoring. Anytime you look at, uh, at anything, you're looking around and you look at this, and then you look at this, and then you look at that, you're ignoring everything else. But if you don't, if you don't look at anything, then you're not missing anything. That's when I sometimes say, I can just sit here and look at people. If you make a move that looks like you're going to raise your hand, I'll call on you before you move your hand, quite often. It's because of my incredibly powerful awareness. <laughs> and so the awareness that I was just making a joke about was, is it doesn't really belong to anybody. If, if, if there's an agenda, the slightest little paper-thin agenda behind it to, do, to get something, to do something, to avoid something, passion, aggression, ignorance, those three, then, you, you, then the, the ignorance is, is uh, what? They call that the Sears catalog. They still have those. Not probably not, but you know something really thick, like uh, a roll of bounty. That's a paper towel owned by. Who's that? Oh, that no, that's uh, what's that? Huh? The Coke, the Coke brothers. So coming back to the uh, the, the teaching of uh, the, that I teach, uh, meditation: sit down, hold still, and just observe whatever is happening. Whatever shows up is what you could look at. And if it goes away, don't chase it down. If it shows up again, don't object. Don't agree with it either. Don't necessarily lecture yourself about anything. 
you might a little bit. You, you can do a little bit of that. You can say something keeps coming back and it's just comes back and comes back and comes back and it's aggravating or if it's disturbing you or if it's here, you know, here I go again, that kind of thing. Um, you can actually follow, if you have an automatic there I go again or here it comes again, uh, you're, already, you're already engaged, you already have your ego in gear of, of, of trying to be the person who uh, nothing nice ever happens to. Uh, you could leave your ego in gear and say, nothing lasts. You, know, you could do that part of it. So if you, you, can, you, can, you can work with that uh, in a way to extend your understanding, your clarity around what it is that is dependently arisen. Otherwise, we're constantly buying in. We're making just what is here is dependently arisen. If you see it, uh, you won't have any more questions other than, you know, where's the, where's the nearest gas station, things like that. But you're not going to have any questions about who you are and what this is. It's obvious. And what is obvious? You're not separate. So therefore, all of the, the emotions we have about we want this, we don't want this, we need to get to this, we need to preserve this, we need to protect, we need to invest, on and on and on. It's just, uh, it's called samsara. It's the constant wheel of winning and losing. It's the eight worldly dharmas. Success and failure. What are, the other, what are some of the other ones? Anyone want to tell me? Success and failure is one. Praise and blame. Praise and blame. There's another one. They, they get their meaning from each other. So if you buy into one, not that there's not a little bit of relative truth, there's just enough relative truth there to give nourishment to ego. And ego is looking for fuel and food. And uh, to actually prevent that or stop that is also a misunderstanding. Because that's, uh, what, what is the imputation there? The ego is real and needs to be starved. Ego is not real. Uh, all you have to do is just look at it. And you'll see that it is made out of gossamer. So and if you do find yourself searching, looking for some something else and so, something else and something here and something there, and that's not working, I need to look for something else. Or if you're calculating or figuring, then uh, I'm not saying to necessarily um, hit it with a hammer and try to stop it, but but notice, uh, be, be aware of that. Bring your awareness into that so you can see the way in which it's working because everyone does ignorance in a different way and everyone does passion and aggression in a, a little bit different way and the combinations of the two, passion, aggression, and ignorance. My friends, please look at those three poisons. This is the foundation of, of uh, Buddhist, uh, of, the, of the historical Buddhist teaching, is to see the way in which we keep agreeing, objecting, and looking away. And this uh, ties right into uh, the Four Noble Truths. I remember when I first read about the Four Noble Truths, probably sometime in the 1960s, way before I met my first teacher. I really didn't know about life. What's that about? Life is suffering. <laughs> yeah, okay caused by desire or craving. That makes a little bit of sense. And there's a cessation or the ending of that. And then that's done through the, the ten, uh, no, eight, uh, eightfold path, which if you read the eightfold path, it's, you can tell it came from 2,500 years ago because even the translations of it are not easy to read. Not particularly uh, like reading a short story. So again, it's always about awareness. It's not about, when I say don't, don't do that. I know you can't help it. I can't help doing it. Doing it. 
but the awareness is what we what needs to happen around that so that it doesn't have quite the what the purchase it doesn't have the grip it doesn't have the fixation on it that that makes us uh, you know um, makes makes us uh, not only uh, I don't know what else to say other than that we kind of freeze everything in place we want to protect something so we're willing to freeze a whole lot of things that should be allowed to flutter around like wanting to freeze butterflies so it would be perpetual summer no no willingness to go with things so when I say don't don't look around I'm saying just notice how you look around and notice if there's a way in which you can maybe emphasize through your awareness not through some following a rule we observe precepts as I was told by my teacher Kobanchino Roshi many years ago the only teaching I ever really got from him verbally the only verbal teaching I ever got from him all the rest of the teaching was untranslatable so if you observe the way you're searching maybe you don't stop that but you just take advantage say take advantage of that movement and watch that it's like somebody it's like watching like hearing about somebody else's vacation you're kind of there but not exactly and the way that shows up is there really isn't anyone we occasionally we all flash on that something kind of strange we're in a situation and suddenly we have this strange feeling that with deja vu is uh, deja vu is one of them and well, the other one is uh, just like feeling something's happened before but then there's the feeling that everything just seems very unreal just maybe for just a few minutes or seconds or something questions we have them I can continue to talk also uh, we we miss what's in right in front of us we, we miss the actual we miss our Buddha nature because we, when we look around, we, we are playing into the Coney Island of the mind, the, the, the very movement of the, of the plus and minus energy that's everywhere. It's in our friends, our neighbors, our mates, our children, our cats and dogs, and, and the, you know, in our case, the mice running through our house. And uh, everything that's coming and going as soon as you start to move yourself. This is why the sitting practice of meditation is so powerful. And the, the interesting thing about it is is you you won't know how powerful it is because it doesn't give you a credential like everything else gives you uh it gives you a tit for tat you do this and you get this you do this and you get this in some way it always works the relative truth is very responsive to pushing it pushes back very responsive to pulling it pulls back it's very responsive to be to shutting down or distracting yourself because as soon as you do that what happens what happens when you shut down what else I'm asking you because I don't know. Look at what it means to know. Look at look at what what we take for granted when we think we know something. <laughs> I don't know why I'm apologizing. Kian, <laughs> look around at nature. Well, I'm not saying you can't look around. Sure, if you go out in the woods, why would you just look at the ground? Sogazan said, "Don't look at the trees." <laughs> Sogazan, there's a beaver over there. I can sense the beaver, but I'm not going to look at it because I'm not not searching for anything. I'm just right here. Yes, you can look around. The idea to to say that is to help uh, encourage to bring one's awareness to the degree to which we use that as a. Well, you, uh, I'm sure you well, maybe you don't, but uh, I mean I know where I probably look around the most is on Netflix. I was looking. I can. I don't even watch movies. I just look at all the different movies. 
go to this movie and that movie and this movie. The next thing, an hour's going by, and all I've done is look at all the movies. Not interested in any of them. Not, not, not interesting. Or, or whatever. I don't, I'm not sure what it is, but that's the way in which I'm kind of looking around. But we might do it on, uh, um, on Facebook or something like that. I tend to, if I look at Facebook, if I get a bunch of photos of my grandkids, I, I look at those and I, I deliberately go in and, and deliver. I'm deliberate about it. But I, I don't. I don't let the, the particular structure of Facebooks uh, suck me into all kinds of other things that they want you to look at and think about buying. Or don't you want these people to be your friends? You know, here's somebody that really, you know, they have friends with a whole bunch of other people that are friends, and, and they're, they're not asking you. But Facebook's trying to get you to be friends because they know that they can, if they can get you guys all to do something, then they can probably get you guys all to do something else, like buy stuff. So it's not about modifying, changing, shutting down, but it is about being aware. So that's what this uh, this is uh, this saying. Uh, don't look around is is not to stop you from ever doing that. You just like the mm-hmm. on the spiritual path. How much looking around should we do? Not very much. Some. Just like the, the different forms that we have in here, the, the form that we have of looking, of looking at the wall is, uh, is just look at what arises. So that's why we have our eyes open and we have something to look at which occupies that part of the consciousness. And it cuts down somewhat on what arises there as being seductive. Whereas if you close your eyes, it becomes very seductive. This, the people misunderstand uh, people who are that those three people who are watching may uh, have some criticism about the whole idea of apostasy and so on. I just—I'm not saying it's wrong to do that kind of practice, but it's—it's it's very seductive to close your eyes and scan your body. And it's very entertain It's very entertaining to actually watch your breath come and go and watch. So, is the looking around that we do while we're pushing any different from the looking around we do post meditation? I think it's quite a bit different because you know, looking around that you're doing on the cushion, you're very, very aware of. As soon as somebody starts to meditate, they immediately come and tell me, uh, I can't stop my thoughts. You know, I just, all I'm doing is thinking, thinking, thinking. And of course, what do I say? You do this all the time. It's just that now you're aware of it. You're always, your thoughts are always running and running and running. Except when you hold still, then there's this big contrast to the stillness that's here. There's an awareness of the stillness, and then there's that contrast, which then you see how you've got a three-ring circus going on in your mind all the time. And then the other misunderstanding is you should stop that, or so that won't happen, and it needs to be uh, just observed. So when you get off the cushion, then that starts to become more obvious that you're doing that more. When you're talking to people, you realize how much thinking you're doing as you're having a conversation with someone. So it's not about stopping, controlling, starting, anything. It's always about awareness. The, the, there's a natural, uh, it's called the great perfection. There's a, there's a natural equilibrium or uh, equanimity that is already the case that we keep avoiding for some kind of grasping, some kind of rejection. So we see it, it seems to be necessary to look at the, the grasping at something we want and the rejection of something we don't want. And the shutting down seems to be necessary to look at those without joining, without objecting, without joining in the circularity, the warfare of that, so that we can, so just so that we can be clear about what that is. And when that clarity begins to arise, 
uh, in the midst of this uh, pushing and pulling and joining and and, uh, and departing, uh, something happens in the consciousness. Um, uh, in the Yogacara tradition, it's called uh, the turning about at the basis of consciousness. That suddenly the consciousness that's been looking at a computer screen or at Facebook or at Netflix or at the wall or at your your mind as you you're sitting looking at the wall suddenly that that awareness because it's not a thing uh, suddenly that starts to expand for lack of a better word it doesn't really expand it's just that when you think it's you then you localize it you bring yourself down to this little world of spiritual materialism or scientific materialism or any kind of materialism where you think this means this when actually this just means this and that means that firewood doesn't become ash Dogen was saying it in the 13th century, using and talking to probably 18-year-olds or 15-year-olds in his monastery. Michelle? Can not looking around actually feel like ignoring what's going on? It could. That would be probably a story of ego. I might, but it's, it shows up as I might miss something rather than I'm ignoring things. So there's, you can't miss anything if you're... If you, if you're if you think you're missing anything, then uh, you're probably not missing that. What you are missing is uh, what you're shutting out without without knowing it. And the very nature of ignorance is to not know. And here it comes. The very nature of wisdom is to not know. Not to. You. Interesting thoughts and interesting awareness. Um, are they the same? It's, both of them are interesting thoughts. You can't have interesting awareness. It's interesting you've added. So the interesting. That's becoming interesting. Oh, there it goes back. Now it's boring again. It's like the difference between this and that. <laughs> so if it's interesting, there's always, always something Something's probably happening there. This doesn't mean that you can't look at a painting and appreciate the painting. We're not, we're not ruling out really liking something or disliking something else. We're not trying to be some some kind of sterile robot person who has no feelings, no emotions, there's no passion, there's no aggression, there's no ignorance. It's always about awareness. It's not about being somebody else. And that's the wonderful thing about it. You actually get to be who you are. With all of your karma, with all of your craziness, with all of your grasping, with all of your rejecting, it's just that there's there's no more insistence on anything. You don't insist on anything. So there's a it's more there's more of a your life instead of becoming a struggle where you're pushing on this and pulling on that and separating yourself from anything you still retain your individuality you retain your you may retain your personality you may not you don't really need a personality to function as as some kind of description of who you are well I'm the kind of guy that likes green uh, I don't like blue I've never liked that I was I was taught not to like that so I uh, I don't. It wasn't raised that way. Those kind of, you've got to be somebody. But if you're, if you're, if you begin to be clear about what's happening to you, through this particular way of working with the awareness, what could show up to use another meta, another meta, metaphor, would be instead of the struggle, a fighting kind of thing. It's more like a dance. It's more like you're. The world is kind of like a partner at the risk of sounding romantic. It's more like you're able to, even negative kind of feelings, you're, you're able to, to flow with that. Uh, 
I always hesitate to, to use those kind of words because it's not about trying to flow with things. Uh, and I never say just uh, go with the flow. Other people say it, and I think, okay, go with the flow. It's about being aware because there may be there may be times, there may be incidents, there may be situations where you shouldn't flow, but you won't know that if you're thinking about it. If you're if, because then we're looking for right and wrong, good and bad, up and down, back and forth, success and failure. And that, those are the, those are, that's the language of ego. It's the language of the materialistic world that we live in, which is, if you watch the news at all, it's at war everywhere. I even have students who, that are <laughs> at war with me. Not many, but I have some that, and I'm not saying they're deliberately trying to be warlike, they just uh, give me a hard time. And all I'm doing is promoting awareness. Be aware. Be aware. You don't have to be anyone else. Mm-hmm. Kevin Townley from Brooklyn has a question. There's one of the guys who gives me the worst time. I <laughs> <laughs> knew he would go. <laughs> he asks, is not looking around another way of describing exertion? Yeah, that's very good. Uh, would be... It could be it could be it could be uh, expressed that way. The exertion is to just just be here. So the practice part of it is to to do that, and then the the actualization, the genjo koan, the actualization of that is uh, even when you look around, you don't see anything but this. Once you understand this, you can you're free. You can do anything. But in the meantime, ground path and fruition. The ground is suffering. Life is. Sucks. It's difficult. Life is suffering. We're not doing away with sunsets and rose petals and Kool-Aid. Well, maybe Kool-Aid. But but you know, life is it's challenging. It's difficult. We have nerve endings, and sometimes they get kind of raw. And then the path is to see fundamentally what this is. You, we didn't if we didn't need these forms. We wouldn't be here. But we need these forms not because we believe in them. Not because, not anything. We, we need some kind of a backbone to this so we can do something that seems totally useless to ego. Well, sit down and look at a wall, why would I do that? Well, we should train our minds to see who we are before this. We don't know how we got here. Excuse me, we don't know how this, long this is going to last, but this is, this is a precious human birth. We're born. We weren't, nobody killed us on the border somewhere. And we're, we're all uh, adults here, except for the one tiny person who was here a while ago, Rumi. And it's a precarious. Death comes without warning. This body will be a corpse. And it's not negative. It's just the truth. Could anybody here could be gone. So while you're here, find out what this is. Find out who you are. My function here is very, very low level. Um, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, it's not, I'm just saying I'm not, I don't have a, a lot of charisma. I don't have a lot of reach to lots of people, but I, I'm reaching a few. And the ones I'm reaching, uh, I would like you to to uh, understand what I'm saying and help others. Help others out of your awareness, not out of your opinions and ideas. Please. You can not, you know, do, do away with those, but don't necessarily, necessarily succumb to those just because awareness seems to be empty of any conclusions or ideas or opinions or promises. Awareness has no promises. If you hear promises from anybody or anything, including me, as I said, I've said before, red flags should go up. That's, there's something fishy about that. Somebody trying to sell you who you are. 
you already are what you're looking for. You just we just covered up with hope and fear, hope for something else, or fear this is going to happen. So that would be a good way of talking about exertion. Sandru, virya, is that it? Virya, is there anybody got it memorized? Virya, exertion. It's not. It's not the kind of pushing exertion that we usually think about in the conventional uh, relative sense. It's a kind of exertion that's. Uh, it's a. Uh, could say it's somewhat invisible, and it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't use up your. Your energy. It doesn't wear you out. If it's wearing you out, it's probably not exertion. Insisting wears out. I think anything would wear you out if you did it too much. But so do some. Insist on coming in here and practicing. But then there might be a time. And it's up to you to do that. That's why I don't have. That's why I don't like locking down on things and saying this is something you have to do here. Set it up pretty strong. There's pretty strong forms, but. If you you don't live in the monastery, but if you did, then I would say you need to follow you need to follow, observe, and try to uh, identify with the forms that are happening, the the sitting times, the, the Han and Bell, the all the other functions that happen here. But they're they're pretty open ended. You could you can move different directions in there, if if that's what you're asking me about. Yeah, I was trying to look at it with observing. See, see what the difference might be. Um, what is what is exertion in the forms? The form is there, and you know about it, and you've received jukai, so you you've said, "I want to do this. This is a really strong form. I want to do this. I want to be part. I want to learn. I want to be a student of this." Uh, the teachings of the Buddha as they're presented by this person. You have some kind of connection, you wouldn't be here. And I don't think anybody ever sold you anything, did they? Anybody ever promised you anything? What the hell are you doing here for? Why would you come and do something if there's no no guarantee, there's no promise? What is it that brings you here? Tell me. First thought. What tell me, what brings you here? Contract. Bullshit. <laughs> Give me that. Tell me what it is. Spirit cloud, tell me. Yeah, what brings you here? Suffering. Okay, that's a pretty good one. So that's why I'm here, because of suffering. It used to be because of my own suffering, and now it's because just because of suffering. Doesn't belong to anyone. Anybody else want to ask me a question? Okay, <laughs> 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 then. Say don't look around. There's so many Dharma teachers and so many approaches to Buddhism. Is there some detriment in looking around? Yeah, I would say do it a little bit. I mean, before you come here, once you make a, a commitment to this path or this particular way of doing this, then stay with it. And if it if it really comes apart and you really need to do something else, I'm not going to stop you. I mean, we've had people come and practice a little while, and, and they. Well, you know the stories. So people decide to go another way for whatever reason. So I would say that while you're here, uh, keep it to a minimum. We already look around a lot. My goodness, we look at all kinds. We don't necessarily look at other ways of teaching uh, the Dharma. We look at other ways of accessing consciousness and working like the dream practice that you've been studying yourself and you've been teaching, uh, lucid dreaming, uh, various kinds of ways of working with the 
deep consciousness that are not taught in, I'm not saying individuals don't do it, but are not taught as a program at a Zen center necessarily or a, or a monastery. They're too busy working on the basic uh, uh, structure of, of the lineage, the Sotoshu out of Japan and so on. But more about what you're a detriment when you do when you have made a commitment to a teacher to continue to you know try to dive into all sorts of other teachers and teachings so but look at all the different things we study there's some of them I don't think they're conflicting but there are lots of different ways of the of the Dharma being presented but I also say somebody who's reading uh, I can't go in and read what everybody's reading so sometimes people come and ask me questions out of books I haven't read. And so I, I encourage, I say, you know, why don't you read the 30 or 40 books that I recommend? And that way I can, anything you ask out of any of those books, I can respond to. But if you're talking out of a book that I'm not familiar with, then it's, it's difficult. So I would say, if you're a student of mine, then, you know, kind of keep it a little bit um, in the area. So I don't know if I, I still feel like there's something else about your question. Well, can spreading ourselves out too much prevent us from going deeply into the teachings? A good. Uh, not too much of anything, probably. Um, that's a good. That's a good question, though. The idea. It's. I would say, you know, rather than say, do as I say. When I say, don't look around, I would say, be aware of the of how much you look around. And see, uh, uh, maybe if you can, drop back a quarter of an inch from the looking around and see, what's the motivation here? Um, my motivation uh, early on, 20 years ago or more, was when I would leave the teachings that I was being presented by uh, the Vidyadara, Chogyam Trungpa. Uh, it was to just get some relief. I just want to read some, somebody else's idea about what this is, rather than always reading his and always studying whatever I was told. There's plenty of things to study there. So I would go and read something else, another teacher, possibly, um, somewhat, usually for to get some relief from it or have something else, some other viewpoint or something. Well, people here do this all the time, so it's not a problem. People, you want to read... Uh, uh, what uh, Muji is one, uh, Ajashanti uh, is another. Ajashanti is the one that a lot of people like, and he's pretty clear. You ever listened to him? But you, you know, he has thousands and thousands of students, so you never could really you can sit down and talk to him once a day. Yeah. I don't know if he even gives private interviews. The person that we had coming here for a while was uh, in Kalamazoo. She'd been to several of his retreats. Uh, what was her? not important to say her name, but but I don't think she ever had a private interview with him. And without that, uh, that's really valuable. So, but I would say, Ramana Maharshi, read Nisargadatta Maharaj, read Ramana Maharshi, read read outside, read other, read UG Krishnamurti. If you want to read something, it'll make you rethink everything. He's a wild guy. But so is uh, Shanti Deva who apparently levitated way up above his meditation seat in the ninth century, was it? <laughs> and so was Dogen, and so was uh, uh, Sekitokisan, so was the Buddha. Amazing. Do we have some time for the questions, if we have them? 
Um, was there a point when you no longer looked around? I still look around. Did I say no longer look around? I mean, I might have, but I have been I, I guess I'm reflecting on, I, I think that uh, you said that you first got introduced to Buddhism when you were in the Marine Corps, and then you read yeah. for like 12 years, but when you met your, your teacher, yeah. you were de- devoted to him. Yeah, I was devoted. I was very magnetized by him, and I, I stopped looking every direction. Um, even astrology, which is I was very much enamored of astrology, it took a backseat for many years. And I actually had to meet an astrologer who was a student of Rinpoche's to see he's doing astrology. And then I talked to him about that. And he says, well, what did he say? He said, uh, yeah, I talked to Rinpoche about this to see if it's okay. Because I, you know, I'm an astrologer and I do readings for people. And, and he said, yeah, go ahead and tell them who they are. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember hearing that from, uh, I'm not going to say his name. He's passed on. I remember, and then I think it was, that was about the time I started maybe looking back into it some more because I thought, well, if he can do it, I probably can too. <laughs> but I was trying to not spread my awareness around too much and trying to focus on what he was teaching. So, uh, that's why I didn't really, until uh, um, much later that I started reading uh, the actual texts that he taught out of and other Tibetan teachers, they don't. They don't just say read this text. They they teach you the text, so you don't read the. You get their interpretation just like uh, um, you know, Kempel Sultram Jamso uh, meditation on uh, progressive stages of meditation on emptiness, which is a great book. We've studied it here. Uh, I've studied it off and on for many years, but that's a lot of that comes out of the Yogacara tradition of uh, Asanga Vasubandhu and so on. Lots of teachers. So, but you could actually go and read which we do, read Asubandhu. But it's also good to read, uh, like, um, Enlightenment Unfolds uh, as, a, as a, about uh, as the teachings of Dogen, but it also explains, it helps us access that material, commentaries on the teaching. Further questions? Got a couple more questions. Anyone online? Uh, Kevin had a response when you asked if... If you've promised anything, he says, Unyo promised me mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> First he has to come here. He's going to come here pretty soon, isn't he? I hope so. Yeah. Get the mac and cheese ready. <laughs> I'll sample it to make sure it's okay. Other questions? Yes. Is, um, or can, not looking around uh, be like, Becoming narrow-minded. No, I, don't, I don't think so. So again, to, I'm not saying. I'm saying when I say don't look around, what I'm, I'm, I could say, look at the way you look around. Be aware of how much you're searching for something else, looking for something else. And if you're looking for something else, that means you're ignoring the very thing that you're leaving. The, the way that this is, uh, one of the ways that this is very seductive is when we think that whatever we see, this is a simple way of talking about it, see means something else. It's like firewood doesn't become ash. Ash is ash. Firewood is firewood. It's a simple idea that maybe it's difficult to work with, but it's like, so when something comes up 
in your life or in your mind or in your particular social milieu or in the Sangha, uh, don't add. Uh, see how long, you can say it this way, see how long you can take whatever is happening without figuring it out. Something happens and just let it, let it be that for a while without jumping, because when you, this is how your body, using, I'm going to use my body, but this is what's happening in your mind when you, something occurs and you start to think things about it. It's just like you're looking away from it because you're more interested in what you think about it than what it actually is. This is the other example I've used. Is, uh, if you have an opinion about anything, it's not that it isn't conditionally based and have some some heft to it or some uh, purchase or some gravitas to use the other grabby words. It's just that it's it's relative truth, and and the, the difficult thing with relative truth is if you if that's all you're using, it's like a it's like it works fine until the weather gets bad your own personal weather or the weather of the karma around you, then it can be really difficult, very, very difficult to uh, meditate in a tsunami. So that's why the weather's good. Meditate now. Train your mind. As I say, don't, don't learn to ski in a snowstorm. Pick a nice day. Am I losing you? <laughs> I never had you. <laughs> yeah. Can we learn more meditating in a tsunami as opposed to a good day? There's a little bit of that. I think it's very individual. Uh, sometimes, when I say individual, sometimes I, I'll, you know, like if you go into retreat, if you're in a, where you've decided, I'm going into this container, and it's a 10-day solitary retreat, I'm meditating eight hours a day, then I would say, stay there. And I would say, because that's what that's for. It's a, it's a deliberate <laughs> pressure cooker. You're deliberately going to go in there, and you're going to sit down, you're going to do nothing, but just look at your mind over and over and over and over and over. But if you're, if you're working at your job, you're working at your relationship, you're working with a sangha, you're studying every day, and, and you've been, you know, uh, doing the schedules, uh, you know, two, three, four hours a day, or maybe only an hour a day or whatever, uh, a lot depends on if you've been here for years and years, then it might be a lot different than if you've been here for three months or two months. If it's, if it's early on, then I would say stay with it as long as possible. But then... Uh, just because there's some kind of cutting edge to that experience that you that you're kind of missing by uh, what do we say bailing or going going out. Whereas if you've been here a long time, if you've been sitting for years and years, then then how that works uh, is there's a different situation happening there because your awareness you you don't know if your awareness is expanded or you don't know if your if your awareness is is wider than it was two years ago because since you're always yourself. You're never going to, even if you become realized or enlightened, you're not going to feel like it. And it's not a not predicting the future. You may have some kind of idea that you're a little more clear than you were 10 years ago or something. But uh, the, the identity is unreal, so therefore you can't, you can't build on it. So to respond more uh, specifically to what you're saying, it depends. I mean, there would be times when that would be a good thing to do. And uh, to other times when you should just get up and walk out, go for a walk, take a break, go for a swim, go, uh, this is only descriptively, go fly a kite. <laughs> yeah, do that. So I would, I would, I would try, uh, speaking to you personally, which I, if it's okay if I do that, I would say I would trust you to decide what you, you're already 
You already have a lot of natural discipline, not a compliment. Just a description. You already have a lot more than a lot of people have a natural sense of discipline. Uh, your whole way of thinking, your whole your mind, your whole structure, your way of doing everything is very, very. You're able to focus very strongly on whatever you want to want to work with or in. So therefore, your sitting practice is probably extremely focused. Um, I'm not going to tell you to make that blurry. I'm going to tell you to look at the way you're focusing, and if blurry, if the blurriness or the the uh, the, le the less you're focusing on whatever situation is there starts to occur, then it's a natural uh, progression, to use that word. It's a natural progression that needs to happen in that way, but it needs to happen. I I'm looking at your what time frame, or I'm looking at your, you personally. If I had a thousand students, I couldn't do that. So I'm deliberately cranky, ornery, and not easy to get along with, so that way my number of students <laughs> increase. How's that working? <laughs> so, any any other questions? Any final questions? Does that does that make some sense? Okay. Thank you so much. I'd like to remind everybody again about the all day. This is Saturday, and as always, we still have our donation boxes in the hallway, and appreciate your financial support. Thank you. May Emeritus penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's ways.